0: Genesis chapter 18, and we resume our, our series, if you wanted to call it a series on the family. And I am so glad I was thinking that this morning about church life. And and uh, I've been talking to a couple of young preacher boys and, in the last few weeks, one of which is Ryan Monroe. And, and we were uh, talking to Ryan, not recently, but last week and the week before that. Talk about how nervous you get when you preach, okay? And and honestly, I don't care how old you get. No kidding. I'm 61 and I've been here a good while. You still get a knot in your stomach when you stand in a pulpit or you stand in the podium in front of a group of people. Um, but it is a lot better, right? When you're 61 than when Ryan... How old is Ryan? 23. I'd get... When I was 23, I'd get sick at my stomach when I had to speak. And, um, and when I pastored, I went from and of course, I preached some when I was a staff member. When I first pastored, I was 28, and uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was gut-wrenching. It's, it's intimidating uh, because you're of the responsibility, and you, you may not think it's a big deal, and even I may not think it's a big deal, but I'll tell you, I've read the book, God thinks it's a big deal when somebody stands up and represents him in what he says, you want to make sure you get it right. Right? Don't think it's smart. And uh, you need to be able to trust what comes from your pulpit. There's nothing in our culture that is more important than the battle that we're having with the family. And uh, I was thinking about how, how free you feel. You know, we're, not, we're not all stuffy and... And uh, there's a freedom here in our worship, not charismatic freedom, but you know, we're family. And uh, we're not here to show off, we're not here to uh, put on, you know, put on airs. We're just, we're a family, we've gathered for worship, and God honors that. And, uh, and if it wasn't for His grace, we all would have been struck down before we even got in here. I'm reading today, back in Genesis, because I want you to see God, God's word to Abraham. And just remember when you're reading this, it's just a couple of verses. uh, Genesis 18, verse 17. Abraham was, I mentioned this in my Sunday school class, he's the father of all who believe. What, What the Bible means by that, or what I understand the Bible to mean, is that our understanding of believing in God, believing the Word of God, having faith in Christ, that kind of faith, believing what God says, and being saved, Abraham was the first one to do that, as we do it. So our faith is connected to Abraham. The, you can read that in, in um, Hebrews 11. Uh, there's a whole section there because Hebrews 11 is about the Old Testament saints that gave their lives because they believed in, in God's salvation. So Hebrews 11 mentions uh, Abraham. And, and then also a great passage. Am I rattling? Okay, I just want to move or I can just use the pulpit to the pulpit. okay. Um, so I can't move. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, But in Romans chapter four, you don't have to turn there now, but Romans four talks about this very thing. So when we read, I don't want you to think we're so detached from Abraham and God's command to Abraham. Is God's command to me and you. Okay? Remember Christ fulfilled the law. All the laws that God laid down, Christ fulfilled them. He didn't remove them. So this is a great little passage here. I'm in I'm in chapter eighteen, Genesis eighteen, and uh I'm gonna pick up it. I'm just gonna pick up at verse uh sixteen. This is the events of Sodom and Gomorrah. The angels have come a great story, well it's more than a story and it's God's word, but a great narrative of what God's doing. this is where God sends three beings, three we call them three angels, okay? There's three divine beings and we've been we studied this on Wednesday nights for a while. These would be angels or sons of God angel we would call them angels, but one of them is more than an angel, okay? And so two of them are going to go to Sodom and Gomorrah and warn them, you know, of the impending judgment. And they go to Lot's house. Y'all know the story. And y'all know about the homosexuals. And that it's great to know that the New Testament says that Sodom and Gomorrah was a, was a picture of how God's going to deal with not only a, a particular kind of sin but a particular kind of people that mock him and, and pursue de- deviant sexual behavior. But anyway, so, so, so this is part of that narrative. Then the men set out from there and they looked down towards Sodom. So these are two angels that are going to Sodom. And, and also it's interesting because of, and I'm not talking about that today, but right in the midst of God commanding Abraham about teaching his children... Is this spirit of homosexuality, right? And we think about the world that we live in, how it's how it's taunted and how it's becoming part of our. I mean, they're not in the closet, you know. They're at the front of the classroom, and and uh, so so it says, and they looked down to the angels looked down toward Sodom, and they and and Abraham went with them to see them on their way. Go back, when I, we finish today, go back and read chapter 18. It's wonderful what Abraham did, he, how, how he was such a great host. Um, I'm Okay, when we go to Israel, okay, I'm going to Israel, and hopefully you can go with me. May not can, and that's fine. We're going to Israel in November of 23. One of the things we will do, if if I can have a part of it, is we go to a place called Abraham's tent. And out in the middle of nowhere where they believe this kind of stuff happened, what we're reading, there's a place called Abraham's tent. And you can experience some of the spirit of what life was like for a nomadic people. And anyway, so I just thought about that when I was reading this. So it says, verse 17, Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. This is a reminder of a covenant that was already made with Abraham. Uh, it's mentioned; it, the covenant appears originally. It was the the bull was in uh, Genesis twelve. God reaffirms it to Abraham in 15, Genesis 15. And he mentions it again here in 18. So seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now ultimately that is because through the line of Abraham came the Son of God, right? And so salvation has come to the world through the gift of of the life of Christ. For I have chosen him... Look at your Bibles. This is kind of where we want to pick up. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Obviously, if we're talking about the family, I want us to think about the command to command his children and his household after him about basically that they would live, do right and live lives of of righteousness. Now, Folks, I i'm going to give you an illustr just a couple things to think about i do remember being a child okay i don't remember a lot about my childhood just like you don't remember a lot about your childhood some people remember more and less but there are a couple of things that stand out in my mind from my from my childhood and uh One was when I had to take a gun out of my dad's hand well, I didn't take it out of his hand. I, I had to throw him up against the wall in our kitchen. I think I was 12 because he's going to kill himself. He's drunk. And uh, so I had to come running into the kitchen, and of course, my mom and dad didn't their marriage didn't last very long, and I was too young to have to deal with this, but I did it. I knocked him up against the, the counter. And shoved him up, and I reached up. And I, he, I was as big as he was, bigger really, and I had to take a, a pistol out of his hand. I remember that. So no, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I remember that. But also I remember that my dad did have a, a spiritual upbringing. His mother was very godly, and her and my step-granddaddy were, because that's all I knew, she outlived her husband, three of them, and uh, we went to church every Sunday. And when we were there, I spent summers in Fairhope. And and every Sunday, we'd fish six days a week. We'd come home Saturday night and go to church on Sunday. And then go back to the Fish River on uh, on uh, Sunday night and fish another week. But I can remember going. So he had a, an upbringing. But I don't think my dad was saved. And I can remember on his deathbed, I'm, I'm, this is way back, uh, he died in at the VA in in, um, in Mississippi, Pascagoula, I think, is where it is, which I think some v, they sent him there to die. But anyway, that's another story. But I, And so I can remember sharing with him. I didn't have long. God shared with him many times. It was a sad moment, to be honest with you. And But I remember that. But I also remember us going to church. Let me say this. We did do church because Dad had a religious upbringing, so at times when we'd go to church. Well, my mom was a devout. Methodist and they weren't in church, but my mama had relatives that were Methodist ministers. I'll make this short, but in order to go to church, my mother forced my daddy to go out of town to go to church. So Walter, you know that land up there. We uh, couldn't go to a church in Weaver because everybody knew my dad. And my mother was shocked at his hypocrisy, right? He was, a, he was a mean drunk. And, um, I mean, there was other things about him that were great, but, but he he wasn't a nice man at times when he's drunk. So, mother refused to go to church in Weaver because such a such a big city. I was kind of surprised about that, but but all nine hundred people knew him, you know, probably. But so we'd go to Gladeview Baptist in Sachs. and um, but it meant absolutely nothing to me. And I'm telling you this, it meant absolutely nothing to my parents. You can go ahead and pass those handouts out now. I'm going to give you a handout here. Don't read the handout yet, okay? Because I want to share some things with you about this call of God commanded Abraham to basically instruct his children, it says, and your household. And folks, I, I want you to know that there is a horrible 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 deficiency in our church in evangelicalism for any for the protestant church today what i'm saying is there's catholics and there's protestants i don't know much about catholicism but i know about protestants because i'm one there is a horrible deficiency in commanding teaching your children about the righteousness of God. For us, you know, we're, t- it, there's, we're teaching. We're just now, we're complete. We're teaching the love of Christ and the cross. We're teaching redemption and salvation. Please don't read it yet. Redemption and salvation. That's what we're teaching now. Our world is full of gurus that know how to raise children, okay? There are books. I've got in my office, I, I rearranged me, off, me office. <laughs> I rearranged my office the past couple of weeks. It took me four times to do it. And I've got two whole shelves of marriage and family books. And that's nothing compared to what's out there. And that's just ones I like. So there are many, and there's many of these people you hear share their gurus about how to raise a godly children. And really, what a lot of that's about is how to manipulate my child to act right in front of other people so it'll make me look good. That's the truth. About a lot of parenting they've lost they've lost the call to command and teach their children about righteousness, about the holiness that God has called us folks if you you know somebody that's teaching and again i I am a novice I have four children and eight grandchildren that's not near the size of Abraham. Many of you have families much greater than that, and your children you did a better job with them than I did. That and that's true. But I'm telling you, if somebody's gonna get up and tell me how to raise children, and then I find out that their children are six and nine, they don't know. They even though it's they've they've been through some tough years, right? Lord, by the time they're six, you wanna just give up, you know. But First, you're grateful that they can walk and you don't have to do everything for them. Then they can walk and you have to chase them everywhere. The, and so what I'm saying is you know. So they don't know. They don't know. So everybody's a guru. Don't worry about the gurus. You worry about what God's word says. And folks, listen. Now, I'm just being honest with you. We need to, we need to quit being hypocrites because you and me... We know how to raise everybody else's children. We'll criticize people behind their back. We'll, we'll act like we got it all together because somebody's child's acting like a wild Indian, as if yours doesn't. And if, if your child doesn't act like a wild Indian in public, I bet they have a dark heart, just like all other kids have. So, you know, we sit around and we know we can sure criticize what other people ought to be doing to raise their children well we need to be worried about our own and folks listen to me say something else when you read this passage you'll find out that your family your your nuclear family is temporal everybody in here i got a pretty large family my immediate family you know four kids a bunch of grandkids that's temporal if i i may live to be 85 but it's still temporal do you know the new testament doesn't say much about the nuclear family. But it says a whole lot about this family. Because this is what's eternal. You see what I'm saying? Also honestly. If if that's true and it is. It's as if. And I'm not saying there's a verse that says this. I just want you to think with a little philosophy with me. If, if the Bible says so much about this in raising kids. The family of faith then you could almost say that it, it takes more than one mom and one dad in one home to raise one child. It's impossible. You have to have a faith family, right? That's what the scriptures say. Now, there's a verse that doesn't say exactly those words, but if you're reading the text, it's all about this. It's all about, I need help. You need help. And we, I think when we do parent-child dedication, we're doing one next month on Father's Day that we say to, that we support we do we teach faith living as a congregation with the parents that's what we're supposed to do so if we have a child that's in trouble and struggling it's not just the parents it's us we we've got to understand what the bible says about about um parenting and about raising godly children for the glory of god you you can't get away just for a second go to uh Go to Ephesians six. I'm, I just want to read this, and then we, we've got to we've got to talk about the handout. But don't read it yet, and and then a, uh, a couple other things. Go to Ephesians, uh, chapter six. Ephesians six. Where do you think I could find it? Uh, Ephesians six. Uh, just a couple of verses, and I, I'm not going to talk a lot about these verses, but. Children obey your parents. Obey is a great word. It's the word. It's the word for hear, like our word acoustics, akuo. and it's the word under. And interesting, when you obey, you hear what they're saying, but you're under them. You're under here. I like that. You hear under. Children obey your parents, and the Lord for this is right. Verse one. I mean, I'm, uh, Ephesians six one. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. That's Old Testament. Fathers, do not provoke your children to to anger. But then these three phrases. And by the way, fathers, pater, fathers, patriarchs. We need godly men. Men, if you're here and you're physically able, you need to be working in extended sessions sometimes. Right? They need men. We, we, the children need to see men leading, need to be leading in your home. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. It's confrontation, we like to be, like be dominating, confrontational. But bring them up. That's just an awesome word, farming word. In the discipline, okay, uh, just like you would would think the abcs just this the, everything it takes to raise or teach so bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the lord my favorite word is the word instruction because it's the word that means frame the mind so our goal as parents and as fathers is to frame the mind uh, frame the mind of our frame the mind of our children i'm looking i have to look at my notes because there's so many things i wanted to say I wrote down, it says, intentional parenting. Teaching and living the gospel with a purpose. Are you intentional? You know, what's your... plan? Here's an example. And this is me. I'm not attacking you at all. I want you to know that. I'm attacking myself. Um, Singing, you know, and I don't know all the nursery rhymes because I'm out of practice. But... uh, um, Mary had a little lamb. Whatever you want to say, but let's say Margaret Ann's in the in the high chair, and uh, I've, I'm and I do I do Bonnie can tell you I love feeding Margaret Ann. So I'm in there giving her sharp cheddar cheese and grapes and whatever. And let's say I want to sing her a song, or whatever, distract her. Mary had a little lamb. I forgot whatever else I sing, I'm not gonna sing it. But 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 I, and I may teach her Mary had a little lamb or whatever. You know, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. She does, she 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 can tear that one up. And that's a pretty good song. But you know what I could be teaching her? Scripture. She'd remember it because she can remember, it, right? The world's and, and again, singing a nursery rhyme's not wrong. But the world has convinced me that that's just what you do is you sing a nursery rhyme. Well, the Bible says I'm to instruct children, right? So, wouldn't it be more biblical for me to teach her God loves me, God, you know, teach her about the cross, whatever, whatever. What I'm saying is then you can look at that example and look at all of our lives and most of us have bought in to just doing the world stuff, and we don't intentionally teach children. The command to, to, the, to Abraham, the one who believed, the first one to believe like we believe, was to teach unto righteousness. That's what we need to be convinced that we need to do. Uh, I read this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to warn you. I'm going to go over just a minute or two. But I read this. Uh, this is a scholar... Uh, some children were being taught by some teachers at, in an after-school program, and they started asking questions. They were some were Christian home children, some were not. Let me give you some of the questions they were asking. I want you. Here's some questions: that, Why do we still sin after we're a Christian? Okay. One question. Second question: How can God be in all places at the same time? First, you got to think. Most of us couldn't answer these, all of them. Now listen, why do we still sin? One of the questions. How can God be in all places at all times? That's a good one question. How is God in three persons? Why do people die when they're young? Why do we have different skin color? Why are there poor and needy Christians all over the world? By the way, these are nine-year-olds, okay? Eight, nine-year-olds. How can I be sure that I'm going to heaven? Why does God leave Christians on earth if it's so bad? How can God hear all the prayers at the same time? You ever thought about that all the time? Is hell and the devil real? How can I really believe in Jesus? And then this is an interesting one. The child says, why? They had to read this to the preacher. Why or how can so many reject and disbelieve in an all-powerful God? Think about that one. Why or how can so many reject and disbelieve in an all-powerful God? It's pretty probing. Now, before we read the sheet, here's the argument. Most of us, when we hear anything like that, is if, if, if your child or your grandchild asks you, Papa, how is God in three persons? You might take the time to say, well, it's a lot like water. Water can be frozen, water can be a vapor, or water can be a liquid. But it's still what? That's a good illustration, but you really haven't said anything. Right? And you might walk away thinking you've really done something. And that is better than nothing. But if you don't answer any of their questions about these deep things, let me tell you what you're telling them. It doesn't matter. Listen to me. That's what we're teaching them. If they have questions, either you give them the answer or you find the answer. I'm not saying that. Genesis 18 says that. You teach them unto righteousness now if they ask you a question about football rules or the strike zone in pro baseball right or the average score you will, can explain all that to them but when it comes to the holiest thing of all what really matters we're not taking the time and so it's a mo- and you, let me tell you what you are you're you're two-faced you're two-faced Because you're not living what you say you believe. And they see that. I'm really, really, I'm not mad. It just grieves my soul. Listen, Mountain View does an incredible job with their soccer. Uh, Listen, that thing runs like a well old machine. I was extremely impressed. I really was. And not jealous. I'm glad they're doing it. Praise the Lord. I want all of you to support it. Go do it as much as you want. Don't join our church. You can take, care, take advantage of them. Use them as much as you can, but come back here. Anyway, but here here's what I'm not saying you did this. because I know that some of the parents are here. My daughter, that I mean, some of you here. I'm not saying this about you, but I'm saying this is what I can tell you what some of the parents are thinking. I'm going to get, you know, we're Christians. Quote. I'm going to get my child invo- involved in, what's it called? Upward? So, just regular. i well, it's called soccer. I'm just kidding. I thought I had a title. Okay. So I'm going to take, but it's out of the church, and they have devotions. They pray, right? And so this is going to be, and it, I'm sure it is an influence. Huh? I'm not saying it's not. They pray. They have Christian music rocking, and and they have a little devotion. And they're going to think to themselves, I, this is This will really help my child. It's not going to help your child if you're not answering their questions. It's not going to help your child if you're a big, fat hypocrite. Ain't going to do it. Because they see hypocrisy and they see the dichotomy that you'll take them down there and spend the time for them to kick a ball, but you won't take the time to answer deep questions. Nor are you taking the time to even talk about Jesus in your own home. You want them to do it. And what's sad is, what little we're talking about, public schools are talking about things that, that is not their business, and it's way beyond. We, so they're being indoctrinated in some situations. Um, take your handout now. I, that's enough. I, I, I've been chasing. I've got one minute now for your handout. You you find your handout, and I'll look. Look, I'm with the paragraphs that says male and female. I know you can read this for yourself. But um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to finish in 2 Timothy. So go ahead and find 2 Timothy 3. Go go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'll finish with this in just a second. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, we're going to deal with all these in the days to come. The tendency in popular trends today is to... is to. And by the way, I wrote this. It may not be as smooth grammatically, but I tried to, tried to... The tendency in popular trends today is to magnify gender equality. That means they're the same, you know. There's no difference. And minimize or ignore the beauty of complementing differences of maleness and femaleness. How do we know there's a difference? Well, right there in the book of Genesis. What does the book of Genesis tell us? God made them what? Male and he made them female. They're different. A lot alike, but they're different. And there's several things that tell us that that's different. Uh, even Adam said it was different, just immediately from looking at her. So, but then it's uh, the spirit of the age, go to Ephesians 2, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of uh, disobedience, the devil, all the, he's in control. You know he's in control. He's the God of this age, okay? So the spirit of the age, encouraged and empowered by the prince of darkness, because that the spirit of the trends, okay? by Satan has critically infected the culture with false ideas of male male and female. We know that. And and you see it just growing and growing and growing. This distortion of God's perfect design is now dictating most of public discourse and is pervasive in a lot of classrooms. The consequences of this wicked heresy has led to, you know, gender confusion. I mean this didn't happen overnight. They've been drilling this movement has been drilling This heretical, and you know that from hearing what Disney says. Disney just didn't, they just didn't become liberal and heathen and perverted. They didn't become that last week, two weeks ago. They've been that way for years. If you do a critical study of some of their movies the last 20 years, some of them are very, very uh, heretical and somewhat demonic. But we move on. So they just didn't start. So the consequence of this heresy is gender confusion homosexuality sexual abuse and suicide you must take us we must take a stand god has a perfect plan he has a created order and we have to trust his word this is the way god does it okay and we're going to look at some incredible passages one of the passages i'm not going to get there today cuz i know I'm out of time go to we won't do it now but go to 1 corinthians 11 and read it for a homework i'm going to deal with that next sunday it's an incredible passage about being the who's the head you know and, and interesting There's a very deceptive philosophy concerning the fruits of church attendance. I just dealt with this, or ministry participation. You've heard that my children are always the worst because I'm spending time with my sheep. You know, that's always been the little... I know this is not always true, but it probably does find... Then I say, well, dear friends, there exists within every congregation the false belief that when parents get their children in church, it will make up for years of spiritual neglect and apathy. It just will not. Now, it doesn't hurt, but it's not going to fix it, right? Right? They need mom and dad. They, ultimately, they need dad. This is just not true. The Bible's very clear. Raising godly, Christ-like children begins at home. The local church, this is the family. This is our family that you belong to cannot take the place of what we do at home. It, it's the primary place. You can Read that in Titus 2. It's just where it begins. Okay. Furthermore, and we, need, we affirm that. We help that. And sometimes we do a great job but we can't make up for the hours that you're... And they see that. They see it, his mom and dad. Furthermore, the effectiveness of discipleship through the church is hindered by the obvious hypocrisy and lack of interest the children see in the home. I mean, is it a story, just a made-up story, a fairy tale? Or is it a narrative of the holy God moving among sinners, saving a group of people, and calling them to be righteous? Is that what the story's about? Or is it just about a man and a whale that swallowed him? Is it just a little fairy tale? I, if, uh, not all children, but a lot of children would really take this just like it was a fairy tale. Because it's a fairy tale with their parents. It's just not real. I mean, when was the last time you talked to your children about redemption or forgiveness? You can talk about forgiveness 20 times a day because they're going to do things wrong 20 times a day. And you're going to do things wrong. So forgiveness and reconciliation could be one of the hot topics in your home all the time. Because it can be in mine. I acted like a moron yesterday. Okay? We'll move on. Did you know my dog got her tail torn off yesterday in a, in a recliner? It's terrible, Walter. It was terrible. A little Shizu got stuck in the recliner in the gears. It was ugly. Bonnie Bonnie knows it. She, well, Griff, Griff had to. Anyway, we'll talk about it later, but it was ugly. Uh, but she's, she's well now. Cost me $1,000, but she's well. You know, when you say the vet emergency room, that's a synonym for cha-ching, cha-ching. Anyway, I love it. Isn't it great? You know, it just is fantastic. Your little tail's about to see it, just got a little knob now. I'm sorry. Furthermore, the effectiveness of discipleship through the church is hindered by obvious hypocrisy and lack of interest the children see in their in the home. Please, folks, you need to be talking about the Lord in your homes. It's about righteousness, holiness. This is what you ought to be doing. Christ saved you, and if you want your children to come to faith, you can talk to them all the time about you being forgiven. When, because you're a sinner. Because you, you are an example of that all the time. It's a great topic. Reject this lie from the devil. Begin, it begins with you, and especially it begins with daddies, right? Um, I'm telling you, that First Corinthians 11 is strong. I want to go there, but I won't. I want to finish this. I know I'm five minutes over, and the nursery workers are going to kill me. I'm just going to read a couple of them. You can take this home. I may refer to it again, but just you know, God's beautiful gift of complementary first one, manhood and womanhood, was beautiful and it was perfect. You can read that in Genesis two twenty three. You know when when uh, Adam says he sees her and he said he brought it says and God brought her to the man, and I think God not think it's interesting that God anticipated what what Ab- I mean what Adam was going to say. He brought her to the man. And immediately Adam says, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she came from the man. It was something incredible to him. So, so immediately, it wasn't his rival. It wasn't Adam's rival. It was complimenting him. It was, it was from his own flesh. From the man and for the man is what the Bible says. Third one down says, a spiritual stupor seems to rest over the church of God. The pulpits are silent. Parents are busy. Is that not true? We're not busy? Folks, the older I get, the busier I get, and the less I do and accomplish. It's incredible. When you re- I'm not retired, but even when you retire, some of you, your retirement schedule is incredible. Um, seems to, over oh, the church of God, the pulpits are silent, parents are busy, and the God of this age is capturing the hearts and souls of children. Think about the whole Ephesians six. Put on the whole armor of God. You know, you'd want to do battle and do it well because you want to save your children. I was. We'll finish, I, folks. Keep keep this and read it. I mean, it's, go to go to Second Timothy and we'll finish it's, it, reading about the absence of fathers, or the lack of involvement with fathers in their home, but also being absent. And how it affects girls. Uh, now think about this. Now this is worldwide. This is not just in Christian homes. This is just the way it is. When a dad's not there. Or a dad is barely there. Girls. Sexually. Are, grow up quicker. Become more sexually oriented and sexually active than their peers when dad's not present. And we know fatherless homes is a a scourge on the American family, right? So therefore, we should not be surprised that 12 and 13-year-old girls that you and I know that live next door are getting pregnant. That should not surprise us. And if we don't, and it can happen in Christian homes. If Even if you're teaching Scripture sometimes. I mean, you can't dictate everything, but we need to be teaching the Scriptures. Children need their dad and their mom. First, look at chapter two, 3, 14. We'll finish with this. But as for you, Paul talking to Timothy, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. Talking about Paul, Timothy's... Roots of his understanding and belief in Scripture. And having from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And then he goes and says all Scripture. And having and how from childhood you have known been acquainted with the sacred writings. Paul was not talking about himself. Paul was talking about one of the reasons why Timothy was called to pastor at a young age and was a leader of one of the largest churches in that part of the world then was because he had been taught the scriptures by who? Now get this, his dad wasn't mentioned. His mother and his grandmother. That you have. And if you go to chapter one of chapter of, of 1 Timothy, you'll find that there hurt his mother and his grandmother taught him a faith that was not faced not hypocritical the word hypocrisy it was not hypocritical so their faith was genuine isn't it awesome so your faith to your children should be genuine that leads to a life of righteous that leads to leadership in the family of god that's how we get there let's stand together Please, please don't throw this sheet away. Take it home and read over it. and You may see it again next Sunday. Who knows? Thank you. Let's pray together. God, it's the hardest thing. It's the hardest task in all the world to raise godly children in an ungodly world. God, we're doing battle. Um, And I just pray that, Father, we will live a a life of being intent on teaching Scripture and, and singing and sharing and leading our boys and girls to love the Lord Jesus and to know His Word so that they may be righteous. And live lives that glorify the Lord Jesus. Father bless every parent. Bless every grandparent. God may what we do with our children and grandchildren honor you. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you so much. Have a great afternoon.